In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is good for us to be here. How many times have you said something like these words that Peter spoke to Jesus in today's Gospel reading? It is good for us to be here. I remember saying something like that to my wife a week ago as we were playing our first game of golf of the year. Looking up at the blue sky and the sun, which took the chill off of the day, walking down the course and feeling good because of the exercise, I said, wow, it's fun to be out here. Three holes later, when she chipped in a shot for a par, the expression on her face said the same. I should not mention that the next hole was not one of her best, nor mine either. Fortunately, we did not dwell on that, and the joy of being outdoors together on that day was the overriding factor for us. Now, I'm sure that each of you here this morning can point to some special moment in your life when you could say that you have had the same feeling. I hope that's happening for you now, as we are together here in worship. It certainly is for me. Every day, in fact, as I join with you in chapel worship, the joy of just being with you, the privilege of sharing God's love together, makes me want to say it is good for us to be here. Yes, being here, being here with you, gives me a joy that so surpasses any earthly joy that I can't even put it into words. Whoa. Hold on, chaplain. What you're saying is unreal. Besides, even if chapel worship is that good, it's still tough to keep our spiritual focus even in this beautiful chapel. After all, we live in a culture of distractions. It's sometimes easier to focus on the trees that we see through those windows than it is on the messages that we hear here. And would you not also agree that so much of what we see in the world is determined by how we are conditioned to see things? Besides, what does being here do to help us cope with this life and its many problems? To answer that question, let's take a trip back in time to that mysterious event that happened in today's gospel lesson and what we've come to call the Mount of Transfiguration. Perhaps we can find some parallels between what happened there with Jesus and his three disciples to our meeting here in worship this morning. Perhaps if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, in other words, if we put our hearts into what is happening here, we ourselves can also stand on that Mount of Transfiguration and catch the joy the disciples felt. Perhaps we can also find help and direction for the challenges that lie ahead of us, either as future pastors and deaconesses or as professors and staff at this seminary. For us, as it was for Peter, James, and John, it can be good for us to be here. I must also say that while the transfiguration is about seeing the the divine in Jesus and hearing God the Father identify him as his divine son, 
the key to seeing those spiritual truths lies not in our eyes. The key to seeing the spiritual significance of this spectacular event is faith. In the same way, this event teaches us that we also need to look closely at the world in which we live and let the evidence of our eyes be interpreted by faith. One writer says it this way, and I quote, We need to look at the sunset and see not simply a red sky, not simply the result of light waves refracted by dust particles in a slightly thicker atmosphere. We need to look and see God at work. We need to read the paper about the events in the world and see in some little piece of kindness that one person does for another, not just a random bit of human activity, but God's love and grace made real. We need to look at the person next to us and see not simply another person who gets in our way sometimes and may occasionally be of use to us, but a work of creation, perhaps a little piece of God's glory. Through all of these things, our faith shows us, perhaps only in brief glimmers, what blinds saints. And when we see those glimmers, we need to be careful, very careful, not to go on as if nothing happened, but we need to let ourselves be changed by our encounters with the divine. End of quote. If you don't agree, then look at the context of today's gospel lesson. The gospel writer Matthew records that six days before the glorious transfiguration, Jesus began to explain to his disciples his coming suffering and death and resurrection. Peter then takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke Jesus, saying, Never, Lord, never, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus challenges his disciples by showing them the real cost of following him. If anyone would come after me, he said to them, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And it was six days after this that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to pray. And it was on that mountain that Peter, James, and John saw Jesus' glory. And can't you imagine the excitement of Peter who suddenly found himself in the presence of Moses and Elijah? From childhood on, he had been taught the words and the deeds of those two great men, and there they were. Yes, there they were, right in front of him. They were not ghosts, but real men. Peter was able to see them face to face. No wonder he cries out, Lord, let's put up three shelters here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter was up to form, wasn't he? What he was really saying was, help us bottle up your love, Lord. Show us a miracle or two every now and then to prove that you can take care of us. Give us some glory, but don't rock the boat. Let us live as we want to live. And you and I often think like Peter, too, especially when times are tough. 
And then it is we need to hear the voice of God the Father point to Jesus and say to us, as he did to Peter, James, and John, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God's call to those first disciples was actually a call to obey. His calls to us to listen are also calls to obedience. Jesus was transfigured. Jesus was changed by a halo of glory, a bright light shining around him, not to wow us, but to help us see who we are in relationship to him. He was transfigured in change and seen in all his glory so that you and I and all who believe in him might also be changed. Yes, changed, transformed into his true servants. Are you and I ready for that? Hardly. None of us are ever really ready for the task our Lord has for us to do, a daily dying with him, a daily dying to self, a daily dying that means a spirit of forgiveness and mercy to all of those who are around us. And yet, as he in his transfiguration gave his disciples a picture of his glory, so he does the same for us. And in doing so, he gets us ready Yes, he gets us ready. He helps us see his grace and love in all moments of our lives. So today, glory in his cross. Glory in the transfiguration his cross and resurrection can make in each of us. Do that as his love empowers you to make the most of each moment of your lives in loving and serving all those whom he loves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.